You're listening to the Making the Man podcast. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I'll find a place in this world or never be. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Properly warmed up now. Why does that remind me of a uh, of Les Mis? Probably because of the quality of my voice. Because I, I probably remind you of the great Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean. Nah, it's not that. Fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Asshole. And welcome back to another episode of the Making the Man podcast. Today's episode is episode eight. And today we're going to talk about how to handle hate. I hate you. I hate you too, buddy. I hate you so... Do you remember that scene in The Last Airbender when Zuko is hanging out with his super sweet emo goth girlfriend and they're like, I don't hate you. I don't hate you too. And it's like, aww, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. You know what hate reminds me? Or like the word hate reminds me of um Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. How did I know Anakin? you were going to say that? Because I'm a fucking nerd. That's why. <laughs> I love when yeah, Anakin's dude. burning alive and he's just telling everyone, I hate you! I hate you! Yeah, dude. <laughs> I I think that uh, that hatred is a funny thing to talk about. And it's it's very funny, ha-ha. Because um, it's a powerful emotion, but it makes people act like stupid idiots. And observing that while you're not experiencing hatred is one of the more fun parts of life. Now... One of the things that we will be talking about is what happens when you do begin to experience hatred. And I think I'll probably be the one to spearhead that conversation the most because I, I get the feeling that I'm the one here who is most familiar with experiencing emotion on that level of extreme for a very long period of time. And what that does to your mind um, and what, what that does to your ability to develop friendships and relationships and, and to, uh, to appreciate what's happening in the moment. So. There's a lot to unpack with hate. It's not just what's external, but it's also what's internal. Well, you mean feeling hatred about other people or receiving a lot of hatred? Both. Oh, I th- okay. Yeah, I think both of those things are important to talk about. Now, the first thing that I think we should get into, though, is dealing with hatred from others, right? Like external forces of hatred coming at you and, and how to handle uh, that level of like extremely passionate bullshit from from someone else um have you ever had an an, an experience with somebody who just absolutely hated you and and what did that do to to your to your psyche how did you get around it what's your story with that well i like to think i'm a pretty amicable amicable person i haven't i've never received a strong sense of hate in my adult life but i did in childhood and so I'm pretty sure this person's not going to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to name drop. Nobody listens to this podcast. Nobody listens to this podcast. Um, So, in sixth grade, there was this girl named Adele. Fuck Adele. (laughs) You already know who I'm talking about. We went to high school with her, that's why. (laughs) Oh, that Adele. That Adele. Oh my god, I actually, up until this point, for like the last seven years, I forgot she existed. Yeah, she's that insignificant have, have you ever had that in your life where like you forget something exists and they're like they're literally no longer a component of your reality and then suddenly something someone mentions them and then your reality is altered because now they exist again yes sometimes that just you, that yeah that just happened to me 
<laughs> we'll, so we'll go on. Go on. Uh, hello from the other side, Adele. Hello, Adele. So in fifth grade or sixth grade? Sixth grade. We were in the same sixth grade class. And I don't know why. We just really disliked each other. Yas Queen. Spill that tea. Maybe... Maybe it was because I liked one of her friends. And you know, when you're like 11 years old, you're not supposed to like people or you're not supposed to actually say it. But I did. And yeah, she just never liked me. And there are some times where we would be very cordial with each other, as cordial as 11-year-olds could be. But yeah, she just plain hated me. The tea is hot today. (laughs) The tea is hot. Yas Queen Slay. Which means go on. But yeah, she just always disliked me. I think when we got into middle school, we would we would travel in similar friend circles. And she didn't remember why she disliked me. But she would still tell me to my face, even though we had similar friends, like, yeah, I still don't like you. And I was like, okay, I, don't still, I still don't like you either. Just because on the fact that she didn't like me, that I didn't like her. So that was very <laughs> mature of me as a 12 and 13 year old. So this is an interesting uh, component of like the self-fulfilling prophecy of, of hatred. Like it creates more of it, right? Yes. And, and so would you say that, that that was your response to hatred from someone else is, is to create more of it? I think so. Because if someone's going to be so, man, so bitchy, not bitchy, but petty, not even petty they're just really rude to you like it's hard especially at a young age to to be more mature take the higher ground so you just want to be rude back you just want to be mean back because how they're treating you you just want to dish it back to them you know but just like anakin when he was experiencing all that hatred you should take the higher ground yeah because obi-wan only got through that fight because he was three meters above anakin at the time Mm mm-hmm so it's it's important. It's so easy to say take the high road. Um I am going to going to deliver a hot take and I'm going to say maybe don't. Maybe maybe don't take the high road. Maybe That's this is horrible bad advice. advice. That's horrible bad advice. advice. But but hear me out, hear me out, okay? Um lately in my life, I have been considering the possibility that maybe the only thing that matters is is dominance and who wins and what if somebody comes into your life and starts trying to pour negativity all over it why shouldn't you crush that person's soul and make sure that they can never pose a threat to your life ever again well because you don't know if they're gonna post threat in your life again unless you kill them so you're basically you're you're saying so what, you're, what you're saying, Jimmy, what you're saying right now on podcast recording is that you wanted to kill Adele. No, but I'm saying what <laughs> you're saying is you're condoning murder. <laughs> <laughs> when when we are in court, this episode is going to implicate us both. We're fucked. I know. I'm becoming an accomplice. So, so I, I think that, that I well, look, in general, I have been wanting to entertain extreme ideas more than anything for fun. The right thing to do is obviously not to perpetuate hatred that comes at you because, because hatred is sort of like an independent creature, right? Like it, it exists on its own and its only purpose is to create more of itself. And if you allow yourself to become a vessel of that creation, then you are no better than the person who stepped into your life only to 
dump their insecurities in the form of hatred on your lap. I understand that, right? I'm, I'm wise enough to get that. But the other part of me, the part of me that's so calloused to everything, just wants to say, yeah, yeah, just destroy him. Just, just destroy that person. Don't tolerate it for a second. Why not fight fire with fire? Well, there's other options of, besides destroying them. You could just slowly mitigate their influence or their time in your life and you just phase them out. You don't have to include them in your plans, in your business, or in your activities. But destroying them means you can't leverage, possibly leverage that relation for later on. Or if that person speaks about you, then it may ruin opportunities down the road. So I forget, I forget who said it. I think, I believe it was Jeff Bezos. It's, it's not important what people say to you. It's more important what people say to you when you leave the room. So your reputation mm. is a very huge, huge thing to consider and i think reputation is worth its weight in gold so yes some people can hate you but if you command the respect of the people that hate you and what they say about you what can they say if you only do great things or if they do say bad things about you but other people know that you did great things then it makes them look even worse and you didn't even have to do anything yeah i like that it's that's practical it's pragmatic Mm -hmm. it's pretty good now I, I think that one, one unique thing that I can bring to the table is that I've experienced mass online hate. Uh, that is a unique experience. That is not something that most people encounter in a lifetime. And I, I think it'd be good to talk about that because this is, this is hate, this is hatred in quantity, in mass quantity, right? Like thousands of people coming after you. And saying really mean vitriolic things from behind an avatar and the security of the anonymity of, of their uh, profiles and such. That is something that, I mean, I don't know if, if, I mean, do we want to hear about that? Yes, because I think I have a perspective on it. So you can go first and talk more about it. So my personal perspective, um, this is powerful, powerful stuff, more than most people think. I don't know if I'm speaking for other listeners right now, but when I was a, a viewer, an audience member, and not a creator, and I would watch YouTubers stumble over themselves trying to handle like a PR nightmare, making apology videos, posting tentatively on social media, I always thought that I would be able to handle the situation better than they could were I... In that situation. Now, thankfully, I have yet to have a PR nightmare, but I have had scores of people sent, not, not sent directly, but inspired by the words of other creators to express their disdain for me as much as possible on any platform that they can. And at first, I was very callous to it. I even found it funny. I think it's very easy to find it funny at first because of the absurdity of it. But when the absurdity grows in, in a scale that you can't even begin to possibly fathom, that absurdity turns into utter disbelief and almost a, a weird sense of horror about what's going on. I had one particular day where I, you know, I made a lot of videos criticizing uh, figures in the alt-right, a particular person, Tara McCarthy, and I had a video where one of my videos about Tara McCarthy, which I was very proud of and I think was quite good, went uh, and got picked up by the algorithm and a lot of people in the alt-right saw the video and began to send me all sorts of really, really sick shit. Um, and at first it was funny, and after a couple more hours it got annoying, and then after a couple more hours it got really debilitating, and then at the end of the night I called my girlfriend and I said, I don't know 
if I can do this. I don't know if I have the mental fortitude to handle not just criticism, but outright just pure, unbridled, mean bullshit, right? Just words designed specifically to do whatever they can to fuck with your head. And at first you think, I'm strong enough to take this. I can even laugh at this. There's no way that anybody can ever say anything that, that can bother me. But most people don't receive that kind of negative attention from hundreds, if not thousands of people at once. That is a whole different beast that is very difficult to handle and I was not equipped for. Now, 100% have developed my skin to be the toughest thing on the planet and I can totally handle it. But at the start, when this when this first happened to me, I didn't know what to do. I felt exasperated. I felt helpless. I felt really degraded. And I didn't know if I could continue making content on YouTube because of this. I'm glad I did. And I'm glad at this point now I have no fear that if anybody ever tries to, or if any group of people ever tries to do that kind of thing to me again, I'll be completely fine. But that was a reality for me. And, and most people don't ever give YouTubers the light of day when it, when it comes to talking about how scary it is to deal with a, an online mob. People don't because it's not something everyone experiences on a normal basis. Normal people, your average everyday person, doesn't have a hundred or several thousand people walk up to them and say, I hate you. Oh my God, can you imagine that? People start killing themselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that would destroy your psyche. So here's my, uh, my take on that, right? When, and I guess in your case, since you're making YouTube videos... Your YouTube videos are set in a very specific way. You set up the camera. You, I know you change your voice a little. You present yourself a little bit differently. I think everyone does when they're on camera. Oh, yeah. So what you're, show, or what you're showing these people online is a facet of yourself. And maybe it's just this small, small portion of yourself that they hate. And you have to understand to not take that personally because they don't know you. Like, they don't know you like I know you. I know you as a whole person. So I know that there's probably some opinions or some viewpoints in each other's lives that we may not agree with. But as a person, I care very deeply for you. And I can look beyond those things. And I don't hate you for your views. That's just who you are. But because you're focusing outwardly a very specific opinion or perspective people will hate you just on that and judge you based on that i completely love that interpretation they they can't hate me because they don't they don't know who i am so what Um, they're hating is the image of you that you decide to share with them and that's their opinion so you can't really even take it personally because like oh you hate 10 percent of me okay i don't care what you think then and you hate like a very well edited ten percent of me. Yeah, um, that is that. That's something that's that's. If you're out there and and you're a creator and you're listening to this this podcast, or if you want to be a creator, that's something that you do have to train yourself to to understand. Though, I mean, that's not something that you can just you can get overnight. It's so hard to separate the notification that you receive. You open it up, you're excited, maybe you got a new comment on the video, and it, it's somebody that's calling you a shithead fucker that needs to kill himself immediately and it's so hard to read those words and not internalize them immediately because this is how we communicate right i mean 
Jimmy and I are are communicating right now over this podcast, and we are 100% talking to each other, understanding who we are directly. This is them responding to a, a perception of you in a produced and edited piece of work posted online. They're responding to a video with a representation of you in it, not you directly. But but that it takes, I think, maybe years of mental training to be able to undo that. At least, you know, if you're not an incredibly um, mentally fortuitous person, you got to train yourself to remember, okay, it's not me. It's not me that they are angry with. It's their idea of who I am. And it's the work that I've done. Um, maybe that still hurts. But it definitely doesn't hurt nearly as much as internalizing it and thinking they hate me as a human being. That's a whole different demon. Exactly. So let's apply this to a different setting, right? So let's say you work in a corporate office and you have to be professional in there. And maybe some people don't like how you handle the work. Maybe they don't, they don't like how you lead or how you how you hold yourself in meetings or whatever. So that's the professional side that they hate about you. But you've never once taken them out for coffee or maybe to lunch. So they didn't even know anything personally about you. So they only know maybe 30% of your personality and they just hate you based on that. And so from standing from that perspective, you can not take things personally and just keep it as business as usual. Okay, they don't like my work. Fine. That's okay. I still have to work with them. I can be professional about it. They're not attacking me personally. And if you can coexist i think you can succeed a lot easier well jimmy are you suggesting that hatred is somehow completely unfounded and irrational obvi (laughs) wow what a revelation yeah this is ultimately what i think when when we're talking about the the external hatred coming at you from from all sorts of different forms this is what you all should remember is hatred, I think, inherently comes from a place of an absence of understanding. That's that's what it is. They do not know you. They cannot know you. And their hatred of you simply comes from their inexperience of having the pleasure of getting to know you. And it, that doesn't mean that they'll always like you, right? It could very well be that uh, maybe you guys just don't get along, and not everyone has to. But... I don't think that there's anything wrong with with stepping back and remembering that hatred is coming from an unfounded place. That's not their fault. Human beings just have a tendency to behave this way. And the more that you can be patient with that, sympathize with it, the more you can free yourself of the cycle of receiving hatred and then creating more of it, thereby you know ensuring that nothing ever gets solved. Yeah, I think a lot of hatred just stems from ignorance. And it could be ignorance on, let's say, a topic or ignorance about a person and their life or the work they do. And so it's not really, in some ca- in most cases, I think, it's not anyone's fault. It's just maybe one person hasn't put enough effort to learn about someone else. Maybe, you know, your boss doesn't understand that you're a single parent and you have to drop all three kids off. That's why you're late to work 15 minutes every day. You know, it's things like that. I think that it would be really good for us to try and pivot over and start talking about internal hatred, hatred that we hold and what it does to us. How does that sound? Mm. Mm. You go first. 
Oh man, if if I go first, I'm gonna be last because I'm gonna talk about this forever. But okay. Oh, well, I'll go here. First we go. Then. Jesus. Yeah, you, you hit hit me. I, I, I want to hear you. Well, because also I know that you like. I feel like I experience emotion on a stupid level than you know more so than most people and i'm this like person that only understands how to exist in extreme places where you're you're someone that's more level and collected and so i always want to see how you experience the same emotions like more in a more muted and controlled way than i do because i'm just gonna bounce off the walls and and you're gonna sit there with your with your demure expression all sultry and attractive and your nice haircut and your expensive coat and boots you fucker Honestly, it's just because I'm part robot. You're part robot? <laughs> I'm pretty emotionless. Does that mean... Is that because you're Asian? No. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I, no, I thought that Japanese people were a part robot. Aren't they... Like, what? Like, the mecha animes, right? I mean, that's just... I thought... And you're Japanese, right? We're not there yet. One okay. day, though. One day. No, but... Sorry. I forgot that you're Korean. I apologize. <laughs> uh, to try to be a bit more serious... And when I say I'm a robot, I mean that I don't sympathize or empathize with people very well. I think I had to learn those things. I kind of had to really force myself to be in someone's shoes to understand them more if they were experiencing something tragic or sad or painful. So it's left me with a very pragmatic mind. So when I felt like I hated things about myself... It was mostly flaws, right? Flaws that I didn't become aware of until they were pointed out to me. And so one of them was like, oh, I looked in the mirror one day and I really hated how I look. I was very disgusted. And how you deal with that, or I guess I can speak about how I dealt with it, was I just immediately took action. I figured out what to eat, how to exercise, and I did those things to get to a point where I was very happy with how I looked. Now, that's a very straightforward approach, and I am fortunate enough that I worked hard to put myself in a position to have the discipline to do that, but there are some people who will never achieve that. They're going to hate themselves every day. And so what I recommend to those people is, and dealing with eternal hatred, is understand your flaws. Understand how they came to be, whether it's because your parents maybe raised you a certain way, or you have traumatic experiences that formed these flaws within you, or maybe these flaws are a sort of coping mechanism, understand why they exist and how they came to be. And then accept that you have them. Accept that maybe you are overweight. Accept that maybe you tend to have more negative thoughts. Accept that maybe you don't have many friends or any friends at all. And decide how long do you want to live like that and what do you want to do about it. And as you can see, this is a very pragmatic approach because I'm automatically saying to do something about it. So yet you need to understand why the flaws came to be, accept them for what they are, and decide a plan of action to take against it. Because once you start taking a plan of action against those things, you can begin to revel in the small goals that are achieved right for example if you were working out oh i i lost like half a pound today that's great or oh i talked to someone today that's great maybe this they'll become like a new friend of mine or at least an acquaintance it's small things like that and the more you do those things the more 
you will lead a more positive life and probably hit yourself a lot less. I am really very happy that you decided to talk about the self because that that is internal, but my internal hatred is for the other from the internal. Does that make sense? Oh, you mean hating someone else because they hate you? Yeah, well, which is different. So it's good that we we we're covering both angles here. Okay. Um, but no, no, no. But my my hatred. Um, and this is we're gonna get really personal here. So I apologize. This is very embarrassing. But I I spent most of my earliest formative years in my childhood hating this idea of who my biological father was because he wasn't around to raise me, and that informed, I think, a bulk of my personal identity aside from my, like my catholicism was the hatred of my father two very toxic things to have in the same place right like this this idea that i need to suffer constantly also i hate this person and i experience intense hatred and i don't even know who he is or what he looks like um i i held on to that hate as like i said as an essential component like a foundational component of my identity and what that what that did to me over the course of my life was um fester in this incredible and i know toxic is an overused word but the reason why i use the word toxic is because it describes something that spreads and infects and and is uh unstoppable and untreatable this this thing that just blackens and burns and and um soils or or rots is is the way that i would, I would uh, define holding on intensely to uh to hatred especially towards an idea right like like when i had to try to confront this hatred that i held on to it was this abstract thing i realized that that there wasn't a man behind that hatred it was an idea um more more of something something conceptual than it was a real person and what this does to you if if you're someone that holds on to hate or holds on to a grudge very deeply if you've allowed it to become so entrenched into your identity that you need it in order to focus in order to feel purpose understand that what you are doing is that you are in a way giving yourself to this 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 virus this parasite it it, it is exactly that it's a parasite it is sucking nutrients away from you spiritually and and uh, and mentally and psychologically and emotionally it is sucking away nutrients from you in order to sustain you because now you've allowed this hatred to be the driving force of your purpose, of your of your um, sense of focus. It needs to be sustained. And the only way that it can be sustained, which is the only way that you can be sustained at this point, once you've given yourself over to your hatred, is to give yourself and your 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 spirituality, your sense of self, your happiness over to that hateful parasite. Um, and it will consume you because you will only have so much of yourself to give and at the point when you have nothing left you you make the choice to either learn to forgive or accept this condition as your new status quo and i got to that crossroads in my life and i decided to learn forgiveness which is one of the most liberating things on the planet now forgiveness is very difficult to do and as we were talking about earlier with more superficial outside hatred somebody that just hates you and is just rude to you um and dominating that hatred destroying that hatred not by attacking it with your own but by doing great things and by being the opposite of what that hateful person believes you to be that there is no way in any reality that they can tarnish your reputation or your sense of self because you are so cemented as the person you are a good person a kind and generous and patient person that there's no way this prick can convince anybody that you 
you are what they believe you to be. This is different. Forgiveness is without deserving, with, without having any real rational reason to, taking your hatred and simply setting it aside and saying, no more. I will move on with my life and I will no longer experience this hatred that I have felt for you. That's, that's hard. It's inhuman almost. But if you can practice that to some degree, you're going to be liberated from that parasite. The moment that I, that I was liberated, liberated from the parasite of, of the hatred of my, my father was, I think, the, one of the essential growing up moments in my life. I know a lot of young men that are very beat up, um, because of, of abandonment is very common with fathers, you know, unfortunately, but it happens a lot. And I've, I've met a lot of young guys that are really beat up in this, in a very similar situation that I was in. And if you're like this and you're listening to this podcast, I know it seems impossible now, but the sooner you can forgive, the sooner you can be free. So start thinking about that now. Start taking the steps towards that end. And I promise you, you will be glad that you did. So wait, let me clarify. You forgave your father is that as, as I, how you coped with it yeah i had to um part of the reason one of the one of the ways that i was able to rationalize it was because i don't understand the situation uh i wasn't present obviously i have made very similarly destructive decisions in my own life now this is obviously like catastrophically destructive because this is this is choosing not to raise a child but given the context um you know my parents are very young they were years younger than i currently am they they were 20 at the time um given um uh, you know this the fact that essentially they're they're very old children at this at this point in their lives and and everything i i can't understand what was going through his his mind and i don't respect the decision that he made and i can never condone that decision for others but i don't hate him for making the decision i don't hate him for not being present the way that my life unraveled was difficult but i'm grateful for what i have and who i am and whether it's bitter in my mouth to say this or not his abandonment contributed to what became ultimately became my life as it is now and I'm, I'm glad about my life. So in a way, directly, I'm, I'm glad about his decision to abandon my, you know, what could have been our family. Um, it's, it's hard. It's a very difficult pill to swallow forgiveness. But man, dude, do I feel light as a feather being able to think about my father and not feel just rage inside of my chest. Hindsight is definitely 2020. How old were you when you finally reconciled those feelings? I think I was probably 18. So this was about six years ago. Oh, so it took you beginning of, well, maybe childhood or adolescence or preteen years till when you're 18. So I, I started to, to have these feelings when I was very young. The earliest memories, memories that I have of like breaking down in angry tears because I didn't understand why I didn't have a dad, I was six years old. Oh. Uh. Um, I was five when I understood that I didn't have a dad, but I wasn't angry about it yet. It, it would be the year after that I remember distinctly being at school and having like a huge tantrum because everyone else was being dropped off by their moms and dads and I wasn't. I see. And I didn't understand why. Why me? Why don't I get to have that too? 
And it was very early. That's why it was so foundational for me because it started as soon as I understood emotion. One of the first ones that I understood was hatred. And that can fuck with a mind. Um, which probably explains why I'm so eccentric today is because I've, I've only ever experienced heightened emotion from the start. You know, not, I wasn't just, I wasn't annoyed, right? Like I wasn't annoyed that my dad wasn't around. I, I felt pure unbridled hatred and to experience that emotion at, at such a young age is not something that I think a child is equipped to understand or to be able to compartmentalize. And I didn't because I would, you know, I would cry constantly at night and I would have these freak attacks because I, I would just like panic because I didn't understand what I did wrong, why, why this was happening to me, right? It's a lot to take on when you're a little kid. Um, and I was, I've always been very cerebral. So like it, it, it dawned on me very quickly what it was that, what situation it was that I was in. And I think that's why I was able to formulate these strong feelings so quickly. That probably attributes to why you live on such extremes too. Oh yeah. Cause you've only Absolutely. felt extreme emotions. There was no in between where I guess if we take a look at myself, I was always very like mellowed out because everything was just okay you know i had parents but it wasn't like they were always around or it wasn't like we're going to disneyland every weekend so that explains a lot wow and there are obviously advantages and disadvantages to both i mean having the the sort of emotional range that i have will suck when i have like a a terrible panic attack or something right Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I will break down in joyous tears listening to Stravinsky's Firebird Suite during the, the finale because it's the most beautiful music I've ever heard. And other people that don't experience emotion at this heightened level don't seem to appreciate it in the same way. But I, I feel like I am, am meeting God every time I hear that, that fucking French horn solo. My God, it's, it's, it's something that I feel like you need heightened emotion to be able to understand. And so there's this trade-off for what, for what is essentially, I, I think, you know, for <laughs> just being honest, kind of an, an unstable, um, and, and very like volatile and unpredictable mental state. Um, I get to at least appreciate heightened emotional things in, in art, which matters a lot to me. So I, I think it works out. And, you know, being, professionally a musician um having that connection to uh to the emotional experience of music has, has been a, a, a wonderful a, a component of my life and and it, it that fulfills me that gives me purpose and that's that's one of the reasons why i wake up in the morning is because i can i can feel that when i listen to music and when i work on music um so you know obviously it would probably be better and less stressful to be more mellow but this is the way that i am and so many uncontrollable forces contributed to this one of those being you know this abandonment issue and and all the hatred that i felt for for my father for so many years and all the damage that did to me well in the grand scheme of things made me a pretty well-rounded dude loyal guy pretty kind and and not a bad friend i'd like to think so i'm proud of who i am and all, all of those things ultimately contributed to to who i am now yeah you are fortunate to have had the experiences you've experienced and broken the cycle because there can, are... can i can i be a can i be a t-shirt for a second yeah, yeah I, a t-shirt. I, I, I am fortunate to have been unfortunate 
Yes. Is that pretty? Is that pretty good? That's a that's a good T-shirt. I like that a lot. That's pretty. That that, that you. I, I see that in writing, like in cursive writing on a wooden plaque, like in a white woman's kitchen. <laughs> Like in a southern home with pe- yeah. pots and pans hanging over the island, yeah. and then and then right next to it is like is like a like a beautifully adorned um like carving on the wall is like John three sixteen. <laughs> what do you even like know a, what that like one a, is? A wine rack next to that, and then and then like a coffee mug on the countertop that says like "Don't talk to me before I've had my coffee" or something. You know something like that. That's what I that's what I see. So you're basically calling anyway. yourself basic. Yes, I'm basic. You are the you are the basic <laughs> middle America family. <laughs> Absolutely, I 100 percent am. <laughs> well, 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 that was that was big. Uh, I didn't think we were gonna get that serious at the end, but but I'm glad. I think that was a, that was good, and we've been running a little long. Yeah, I think that was good. I told, I warned you. I warned you that that I would push this long if you if you got me talking. I know, I know, you're talkative. <laughs> but hey, we have uh, as as the podcasters say, we have the gift of gab. Mm, when do we do? Oh my god yes we do um but hey i unless there's anything else you want to say i, I think we should wrap it up no i think that's good i'm pretty happy with what you said all right man well then why don't we turn it over to, to the listeners and instruct them on how they can get in touch with us in case they have any questions comments or concerns you can reach us at our email at making the man podcast at gmail.com and if you want to follow me on instagram you can find me at Jimmy Tai Z. Tai is spelled T H A I. That's Jimmy Tai Z. What about you? Where can they stalk you, Emmett? I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find me on both of those platforms with the username Think I'm Real. That is one word, all lowercase. Uh, especially find me on Instagram because lately I've been doing a lot of fun stuff with sketching. I've been getting into uh, art and I've been sharing my uh, my work on my Instagram page. So that's a lot of fun. You can also find me on YouTube at Hi I Think I'm Real. Recently passed 20,000 subscribers, which is a big deal. Uh, I'm so happy and I'm super excited about that. And I am slowly approaching 1.5 million channel views, which is a pretty, pretty big deal. Um, that's a lot of views in total. Uh, I've, I've been doing it for uh, about a year and a half now, just over a year and a half. So I'm pretty excited about that. I can actually give you an exact number here. Let me just pull it up. My total channel views are 1,436,172. Humble brag. Um, with 20.2 thousand subscribers so we are getting it ladies and gentlemen i really do appreciate it um and if any of you are viewers uh shout me out on twitter or instagram let me know that you're a listener because uh we, i really do appreciate it i love this podcast and I, I love what we're doing here so um thank you guys so much for listening again uh follow us on all of our stuff please send us emails send us questions we would love to add a segment to these episodes where we answer some questions at the end but that requires you to uh toss some emails over to us so uh, go ahead and do that if you have any kind of uh, curiosities about what we might think about any given topic that has to do with making you a better man. I don't. I don't know what we're. <laughs> we need a. We need a, like a sign out thing. Like we need. We need a. a ritualistic okay. Good night, everybody. Thing.